This is loudspeaker. Happy New Year, everyone. So happy to have you here with us. I hope that your 2021 is off to a great start. Despite all of the things we've had going on in our world, I hope that you're finding some happiness and joy and some peace in your life. This episode, I have the wonderful Elizabeth Mattis Namgyal, who's a Buddhist author, teacher, perpetual student, and truly one of those people that the moment that I met her, she just lit up the entire Zoom screen. She is just such a wise and wonderful heart. And she's with us today, really talking about some important matters of the heart and how we can learn to have conversations with each other that are connective, where we can grow some strength, resiliency, and calm within us. This is just such an inspirational episode. So I'm so glad you're here to join us on the journey. Welcome to The Spark. I'm your host, Stephanie James. Share with us a little bit, Elizabeth, about your path, because you've had a path that's different than a lot of people's. And when I was reading about this 35-year path, of studying. So Buddhist tradition in that context. So yeah, I feel very fortunate to have somehow stumbled upon it. And I think since I was very young, I just had this very strong inquiry going because I, I had experiences where I felt very resolved and at ease and free inside. And I always noticed those experiences when they came up because of course, the, in contrast, I had experiences that were where I felt not as free or joyful or connected to my world. And so I I had this contrast, and I think most people do. And I I was very aware of it for some reason. And I just was always pursuing questions around what that was about for my whole life. And it took me in all kinds of directions and uh, adventures. And when I've noticed things in other people, just um, people watching people be in a state of awe or delight or just compassionate aspects of people. And it always really touched me. And I had this inquiry in myself where I was always asking myself, what what are the causes and conditions for that? How do I cultivate that? And in asking these questions, I think I was always looking for maybe a teacher or tradition to engage, but I never really connected with anything so much until later in life where I was studying anthropology. And I'm always, I'm very interested in culture and also culture and spirituality, actually, it turns out. It took me abroad and I ended up living in Nepal for a long time and learning the language. And and it, it also turned out that my mom, when I was about 19 years old, connected with the Buddhist lineage. So I'm the second generation in a certain way. And I started to meet some incredible teachers. And then when I went to Nepal, also, I just, it's so fascinating to leave your own culture and enter into just a different mindset. And you get to reflect back on who you are and also just take joy in 
just the beauty of another culture. And uh, I just, I spent a lot of time there. And at some point I met my husband who became my teacher, who was also very young. I think I was 23 and he was 21. And that really started, it's like I met him and I didn't know who he was. And, and, and but he had said these qualities of kindness and openness that I recognized from those times in my life. And it evoked that in me. And so I, I thought, wow, I wish he could be my teacher. And it ends up that he's actually a lineage holder in the Tibetan tr Buddhist tradition. And we got married and thus became, this became my path. And, and it really worked for me. It's still working for me <laughs> yes. somehow. So that's how I engaged it. Yes. What, what a beautiful experience. Just to be able to go over and, and experience that and be just immersed in the culture like that and to find this beautiful spiritual path. Although part of what I'm hearing too is that as a little girl, that's, this is just this innate part of you. Yeah, yeah. And I believe deeply that this is uh, an innate part of everyone, yeah. that everyone has, has this kind of potential for, for feeling connected and feel, having those moments where everything is okay. And it, it's not an okay in that you're trying to live around difficulties, but it's the ability to embrace all of it which brings so much peace to be able to accept the beauty and pain of life and so forth. And I see it in people. And I sometimes when I'm teaching, I say, raise your hand if you've had this experience and everybody raises their hand. And I think it's a very human experience. It's just become the focus of my life. And then also with my teaching, it's become the focus of how I connect with other people. And I love to see that other people experience that and relate to people in that way. It's like our inner brilliance can come out and we can bring it out in each other. And I really don't mean it in any kind of like a Pollyanna way or trying to live, again, trying to live around difficulties because I don't think there's true peace when you're pushing away things that are hard. Yeah. And that's one of the things I've learned on my path. And I think you probably know a lot about that because of the work that you do that I've heard is like going right into it, actually, from what I hear. Yeah, no, I <laughs> yeah. mean, that's, that's exactly it. I think that's one of my own personal messages as well, Yeah, is that we have to befriend the pain, yeah. Yeah. you know, and to really be with whatever it is that shows up. It's not about having rose-colored glasses or putting your yeah. head in the sand, that actually, as we befriend these emotions and experiences, that there is then a sense of peace that we can bring to it instead yeah. of, you know, it's that thing that I talk to clients about a lot, like what we resist persists. Mm. Yes, exactly. That's you know? it's so true. It's so true. Yeah, it's so true. And I find, I don't know, it's been my experience in my life that the more difficult things, the challenging things, actually, if you can not approach them with nonviolence, meaning not be aggressive to the natural vitality of what you experience. Because I do think it's like the natural vitality of the mind and the, the life is it, it, as you experience it and encounter it, if you're not aggressive toward that, if, you're, if you have some sort of curiosity, this is my big thing is curiosity or in, a sense of inquiry, like, what is this? And it becomes such a profound, poignant time of growth and it's actually, for me, the way to connect with that part that we're discussing that I think you, we both understand and can connect on a human level in that way. It's such a beautiful and poignant experience, and it, it makes us also so compassionate toward others' pain 
and we can see the beauty and the brilliance in in others and you and it's freeing because you find that you can there's an unconditional happiness there's not happiness despite pain but there's happiness from being able to embrace complexity in your experience so i think that maybe that's kind of yeah, I, I just am resonating with you so much yeah, because I, I think, yeah, I think that's really it. And I love that mindset of being curious yeah. about what's here yeah. instead of, like you said, just rejecting it or being, you know, towards it where we're just like, no, no, which amplifies yeah. the experience. That's right. Um, and gives us that inner angst. And so yeah. to be curious about what's here and, and to realize that I, I love this piece too, like this spark or this beautiful thing is within each one of us. Yeah. And, yeah. and we're all having this human experience together. Mm-hmm. So we all go through pain. We all go through suffering and we also all go through joy. Yeah. Yeah. It's wonderful. And I think it was funny because I was in the supermarket the other day and times have been hard, you know, and I just ran into an old friend used to be a caretaker for my father when he was alive. And um, he, we just looked at each other. We could feel just the kind of struggle of being human and our concerns about the world right now. And, and we just said, I think it gets harder when we feel like we shouldn't be having these kind of experiences, but these are the kind of experiences that human beings have. And we have to allow it to touch us and motivate our responsiveness and cultivate our kindness through being willing to engage it. And let's talk a little bit about that, Elizabeth. Yeah. It seems like more than ever right now, we're hearing about people that are really struggling and it's on a global level. Yeah. But maybe the first time in history where it's really affecting everyone at once. What are the things that you feel like we can do to deal with these challenges and deal with this kind of mass level, if you will, suffering. Yeah, yeah, because it can be so overwhelming. Like sometimes I think the part of the suffering or the way that we try to um, approach it is we either think we can fix it, which of course we don't, we're not in total command. We don't have full agency to fix anything or else we would. And then when we find out we can't fix it, we feel uh, we fall into despair or we tune out. Those are the three ways we respond to the suffering in a, in a way that I think is not helpful. But I think, first of all, the first thing I would say for myself, how I work with it is I work with my own mind. One of the, and then I'll say how I've been thinking about working with it in my community, but I, in the Buddhist teachings, one of the more fundamental kind of contemplations is a contemplation on what the Buddha called all pervasive suffering. So the idea is that we're all connected. We're all interdependent. That's a ground for everything in Buddhism is that we might live in very different kinds of places, but we all affect each other. We all, we can't not leave a carbon footprint. We cannot hurt others or, you know, the kind of food we eat and that we're dependent on others for even to be alive, you know, in such an infinite way. And so there's nothing that really isn't connected. And I always think to myself how liberating and how poignant that teaching is that suffering is all pervasive in the sense that it's you take a little bit of responsibility for 
being a part of that system. So I, I always think to myself, I'm part of the nature of suffering. And until I accept that deeply within my being, when I can accept that, there's some kind of freedom in that, actually. And then I, when, if I'm able to accept that rather than resist that, um, and let my let that touch my being, then I can start to see that I'm also uh, a part of the equation of benefit. But if you're not looking at that and allowing yourself to have that experience deeply, then it's hard to think of the benefiting. There's always this wanting and not wanting and holding the world responsible for your well-being. And there's such a lack of agency or something in that. And I think this is very empowering Like for me to realize I can't fix it all, but I need to resolve that I'm a part of it and allow it to touch me. And then in order to get to the place where I'm responsive, because it's a realistic way of looking at things. And then after I do my own kind of inner work, I look around in my community, there's plenty of work to be done or in my family. I, the other day, I don't know, this is an interesting one because uh, there was somebody holding, I live in a small town and someone was holding a sign that said, this might be a little political. I don't really want it. I'm not, you know, taking sides in this, but I, it's just an interesting example that a young man was holding a sign that said, they say, jump and you jump. And then my friend told me about it. And he's a good friend of mine. And he said, I rolled down my window and I yelled. And then I'm not going to say what he yelled. <laughs> I don't want to taint, taint the podcast. <laughs> and so I thought about it for a while. It didn't sit well with me. And then I thought, it's wonderful that somebody could feel free to say what they felt, thought. And we want, it, we want to allow that to happen. People are involved in their own inquiry. And of course, I'm a fan of inquiry. And I thought, furthermore, you might not want to have time or want to connect with that person, but you could be interested and you can have a conversation. Because I think between right and wrong, there's a world of infinite possibility. And I really feel like this place of where we can't talk, we can't communicate is a really painful place for human beings. And I just, this kind of thing I feel when I look out at my community, aside from the fact that when I see people who are lonely, I try to bring them food. Like, how can we just keep this kind of sense of openness and communication and love between us going? And I don't know what else to do besides that. During the election time, people took spray paint in my small town, and we have a few paved roads. But one person sprayed something on the road. It said, love no matter what. And I really think that's a great maxim. It's, I don't care what the circumstances is. I, I decide I'm going to love you. <laughs> and yes. love everybody have an open heart you know in that way and that feels really powerful like I feel I'm doing something and I feel when I go through town <clears throat> excuse me when I go through town I extend I try to extend kindness and love and there's plenty of opportunity there's so much opportunity just to be kind or to uh, hold the door open it makes people feel cared for and right now people need more care than ever they need kindness. I love it when people are kind to me. I feel so, the warmth of their mind and they evoke the warmth of my mind. Yes. And so powerful. I want to rewind just a moment to, yeah. to what you were saying, this powerful thing of owning that we create suffering as well. Mm. Mm. One of the things that just hit me about that, the, the importance of 
not making someone else the other. And when we get into these, these challenges where people are, someone's right and someone's wrong, I think if we own that we create, as you were saying, that suffering in the world as well, as we can be the, yeah. the creators of solution and we can be creators of love and well-being being extended, yeah. that no longer says we're no longer, number one, the victim, that like right. it's everyone else that's creating my suffering. Mm-hmm. But when we realize there's this duality in all of our natures, right? So yeah. There's the person that creates suffering and there's this person that creates beautiful things in the world and that can really choose to focus on, I'm going to own and look at how I create suffering. Mm-hmm. And I'm also going to own, as you were saying, have agency in creating positive change and putting kindness into the world. So what yeah. a powerful example. And right now, one of the things that I'm hearing is that in order to help alleviate suffering of others, we can just start by extending simple kindness. Yeah. It's so powerful. We, we shouldn't underestimate it. I, it, it. It's also transformative to one's own mind. Sometimes I use this example of, you know, like a mother and an infant, the mother's holding the infant. And when you, when the mother looks at the infant, she has so much delight so that the, the baby is so beautiful. So she brightens up. And then when the infant sees the brightness of, of the mother, it starts to coo. He or she starts to coo. And then the mother gets more uh, uh, open and and joyful. And I think we can have that relationship more with the world because it's like others help us awaken. They open us up and we do that for others too, because we're interdependent beings. We can't separate ourselves from the world that we live in. And so we are responsible and we can also just appreciate or practice patience with others in a way that creates a good relationship. So sometimes I think we can say that we all have this a part of us that is joyful, but it's almost to say it depends how we are in relationship to other things that makes that happen. It's a matter of being in healthy, sane relationship with other people. And it's so touching. People are so touching and they we all struggle so much. And I was making a fire in my wood stove yesterday and I, I saw the obituary page. And there's just this old a man and an old woman who passed in our community. And I just looked at them and you could see that just they've had a whole life, a full life, a beautiful life and a difficult life. You could just see it all there. And I just felt touched by the human condition because it's not easy to be human. And, and how can we be there for each other? And Yes. Yeah. Thank you for that. It's, you know, what a difference it makes. I've really just noticed that what you're saying as well, even when people are walking outside with masks on, when we greet them, when we're the one that decides I'm going to initiate this kindness and positivity, just greeting someone and saying, good morning and people waving. And then it's, it's a ripple effect. Exactly. It's the same thing I had gone through this is a couple of weeks ago, I'd gone through the line at a coffee shop where you don't know what the person's going to order until you're right at the window. I always felt like, how could I ever pay for someone behind me with oh, yeah. a credit card, not knowing what they're going to order? Because sometimes at certain ones, you can know, oh, the person's order behind is $10. Here's $10. Yeah. Someone in front of me had left cash and said, whatever the person's charges and the tip, here's cash, here's $10, make sure 
that they're taking care of. And it was yeah. so touching and, and how much that truly it sounds so maybe insignificant, but it like it's made not. my whole morning just this random act of kindness. So yeah. I don't think we can talk about it enough. You know, I, I feel yeah. like we can't, we can't, <laughs> and we can't emphasize enough yeah. how important it is. And I think that it also helps empower people that we can make a difference. Yeah. Each one yeah. of us. Yeah. And, and what's so amazing too about it is you start to see mind at its best. We know mind at its worst. It's closed down and it's isolated or withdrawn or it's angry or aggressive. And, and we have to suffer with the quality of our own mind. And then in a moment, you can experience mind at its best. It's that close. It's like a shift in the way we are with the world that we encounter. And so how can we cultivate that more? And like you're saying, you can just buy someone a coffee, you know, and then that maybe you'll be in an, there'll be an opportunity for something greater, or you can donate some money to something, or you can, whatever. I think actually, when you look around, it's like sometimes when you find money in the street, you look down and there's a penny and all of a sudden you look around and there's like change everywhere. There's opportunities everywhere all day to serve and it can sustain us. It can, that kind of, that kind of activity and that mindset can sustain us in the most amazing way and it sustain others. You're listening to a podcast on the loudspeaker network. To find other podcasts and unique programming, visit www.loudspeaker.fm. Loudspeaker, diverse voices, unique sound. Feminist Hot Dog is back with a new season packed with awesome interviews with icons, artists, innovators, authors, and lots of surprises. Whether you consider yourself a hardcore feminist or you're feeling feminist curious, Tune in Wednesday nights at 8 Mountain and get all the information and inspiration you need to live your best feminist life. Listen Wednesdays on Loudspeaker and Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget, love yourself and love your buns. Hey, it's producer Chris just popping in to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Audible.com. Just for listeners of The Spark, Audible is offering a free audiobook and a free 30-day trial of their amazing audio service. Choose any book you want and cancel at any time. The book is yours to keep, no matter what. I can personally recommend Think Like a Monk by Jay Shetty. Jay takes the wisdom that he gained after spending three years as a monk and distills it down into practical steps that anyone can use every day to live a less anxious, more meaningful life. That's my choice for this week, but you can choose any book you like, and it is yours completely free. So give it a try at audibletrial.com slash the spark. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash the spark for your free audiobook. What can we do in these times of fear? What, what's up that you would recommend for people that would just help them begin this path of cultivating 
some peace, some calm, yeah. and begin to to cultivate a sense of resiliency to what's happening right now in the world. Mm. There's a lot of things that I could just say that I do, because I do have times where I'm afraid of where things are going or my own just concerns about, in a very practical ways about life. Uh, and one thing I do is I do a lot of meditations so that really helps. Like I always start my day with meditation and the meditation, meditation can mean def different things. So there's a lot to say about meditation. For example, it could be that you just do deep, uh, 10 deep, healthy breaths. Just, I do this with my mom. My mom is actually in hospice right now mm -hmm. and she has dementia. And sometimes when she feels a little lost in her mind, she can always come back to her breath. So we do deep, we do that together. Just breathe in. We could just do one now. Just one. <laughs> yes. It's we, it's, our breath is there. As long as we're alive, we're going to have our breath and we can count on it. And it's, and just let that kind of, let the whole body expand when we breathe. I think it's very healthy. And we have a lot of practices in our tradition about cultivating kindness. Sometimes we even do this practice called Tong Len, which means a giving and taking or taking and giving where you breathe in the pain of others and you breathe out. It's really counterintuitive to the ego. You breathe in the pain of others and you breathe out anything that they need. It could be a material thing, or you could breathe in their suffering or their fear and breathe, breathe out courage. And when we do this, it's, it's so interesting because it almost, you almost start to, you want to breathe in as much of their negativity as you can. And it feels, and it's liberating because you feel the love and care and then breathing out what you usually reserve for yourself. It's a very interesting practice to engage in. It's radical practice because we usually want to breathe out what we don't want and breathe in what we want. And this is a very uh, interesting reflection and, and practice to do. And then there's other uh, kinds of meditation that I engage in that has to do with, you know, when fear arises, we think of fear as some singular permanent thing. But if you actually try to find fear or a thought of something scary, you start to see that it actually isn't so solid. It's changing all the time. It's not any kind of solid thing you could grab onto. That in a moment, it can also shift if the causes and conditions are different. So it's like you allow that to arise without any kind of aggression. But it's like beyond. So this is the, where the open question comes in to keep the mind curious and interested it, rather than labeling it as a thing and believing that it's true or rejecting it or trying to turn away from it, there's an alternative. And that is curious, interested, looking at it like you're looking up, up at the, uh, the uh, stars and thinking how amazing it is, like it has its own character, it's arising and it's momentary and it's shifting. When you start to see that happening, you realize, what is it I'm exactly afraid of? Because the, the entirety of the world is shifting and we don't know what's going to happen next. The world doesn't really lend itself to being known in a determinate way. It's elusive. Uh, it's full of surprises. And it's sometimes predictable too. That's more looking at the nature of the phenomena that we encounter and understanding what's really, finding confidence that it's not limited to what we think it is. It's like another human being, we can, when we get angry, we shut down and we say they're a, you know, mean person. 
But actually, no one is one way. We're open dimensional. We're complex. And if we look at our own mind, it's also complex and changing. So we can understand that in others. So those are the ways, kinds of uh, meditations that can happen. And other things we can do too is I think we can reach out to other people. I, I really, I'm a reach outer in a way. I'm like, a, I love people. And I, even though people are difficult and I'm probably difficult too, but I, I find people to be incredible resources. And I, I can find the caring and loving parts of other of people because I feel loving care too. So I reach out, I go to the grocery store and I just see my, the people of my hood are there and we talk, we buy our vegetables or whatever, or I, I love water. So I take a bath or I take a walk in nature. These are just whatever we need to do to settle, whatever. There's so many ways and we need to find the ways that work for us. It did look at the world as rich as a resource to support you, you in a, in a, yeah, it's some kind of infrastructure for your life. And it could change every day. And that's part of the creativity of living a sane life, I think. So many wonderful, thank you for all that. So many wonderful <laughs> suggestions. And I think that going back to the piece that you were talking about with fear and as it arises, I think yeah. oftentimes what I find myself working with my clients on is this fear of the unknown, fear of mm. something that's out here and, and making up, you know, stories about the future. Yeah. And when yeah. we bring back it back to today, number one, and we bring it to this present moment, we can realize that, yes, that shift can happen actually quite quickly out yeah. of fear. And I love that sense because I love Tara Brock. Yeah. And, she's you know, her, yeah. she's so wonderful. And she talks about that acronym of RAIN, which is mm. recognizing when these negative feelings come up instead of ignoring them or pushing them down. Yeah. And the, the A in the RAIN is to allow. And that's yeah. usually right. That's our challenge point. So, so to just notice like I have that sense inside of me when the eye being to gently investigate what's here yes. like you said bringing that sense of curiosity <laughs> without getting analytical just feeling into it for a moment and then the ability to return to natural presence yes how beautiful that is that we can breathe into this moment so I was just hearing that ringing through my ears as you were saying all this that yeah these are beautiful ways that we can really ground ourselves right now and realize, just as you're saying, that fear is a mental construct that becomes an, an emotional, physio physiological response. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very much so. Very much. And that's, that really connects to your work so deeply because I hear you do EMDR. That's very profound. I've done that before. I thought I found it very profound. Um, and yeah, it's so much, it's so physical. And the, the mind and the body are so connected. So anyways, yeah, I think that this idea of allowing um, ourselves to really feel the world around us, let it touch us, let it transform us, not reject it, not have aggression to the natural vitality of the mind. It's so funny how all these traditions come together because this is wonderful because I think that's what we're seeing when we begin to work with our mind is that we need that kind of a gentleness and courage also to do the work. And right. to be able to change and be the best kind of, of who we are. 
Yes. The world needs, needs this to happen. Absolutely. And from that beautiful place that you're talking about, that's where I think this natural sense of this like subtle sense of joy and from that, this ability to spread kindness, it just kind of wells through that mm-hmm. and can come out through that. Yeah. So wonderful. I, I, and I just love your ability to go into your, I love it, the hood. And <laughs> <laughs> feels like that to me. Yeah. But, Familiar. And, but yeah. And to have those conversations and yeah. to have that connection and connection is so important. We know, as you're saying, we're interconnected beings. Yeah. We need that sense of connection with others. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I want to talk with you too about your podcast. Yeah. It's called Open Question, which has to do with a tradition called the Middle Way Tradition and Mahayana Buddhism. So, but it is a practice of inquiry. Yeah. That it refers to. Okay. Yeah. I know when I was reading up on you, that's one of the things that I had seen. And yeah. So the, the open question, tell us more about that. Yeah. God, there's so much to say about that. I, it's what I started to call that experience when I wasn't shutting down, when I saw the best of my mind, when I was open and curious and felt extremely humble. This is how I would describe what maybe a spiritual experience or an unimpeded, unconfused human experience. Because I think this really is just a human experience. You use the word natural uh, just a little bit ago, a couple times. And I love that word natural because, you know, I ride horses and I also, I live in an area where we, I see a lot of bears and deer and sometimes bobcats and antelope and stuff. And, uh, they're so natural and there's like the chi, the energy is moving through in such a stunning way. And I'm always in awe of that. I think it's a, a contemporary people we've lost a lot of our chi. Like I think a lot of indigenous people in the world still have a lot more chi. I've noticed it, this is something that's just come with uh, separate, not understanding who we are in relationship to the land and things like that. So I watch all these animals and I think they look so natural. And I look at the humans and I think there's something about being human that doesn't come naturally to us. We don't know how to ingest experience, digest experience, and eliminate experience. Like we naturally digest if we're healthy, but there's something about the way um, we are—we have some confusion about how to be a full human being. But I think what I notice that when my mind is really open, and it's not caught in like belief and doubt, and it's not grasping and pushing things away and getting caught in hope and fear, these kind of extremes, which is talking about the middle way beyond extremes, actually. The mind is open. It's incredibly humble. It's listening. It's not shutting down around determinate views. Like it doesn't think things are limited to what we think about them. It has this kind of very connected, like the mother and the child. It's very discerning. That's like an open question to me. Like when you ask an open question, because sometimes when we ask questions, we already have decided what the answer is, or we want affirmation in some way, or we think there is a determinate answer 
And of course, there is no determinate answer for anything in this world. That's why there's so much creativity and conflict in the world that we live in because people see things in a different way. But what if we can embrace all that complexity? What is a mind like that can embrace? So this is the, in a certain way, I don't want to say answer, but this is the kind of languaging that I've come up with to describe what I was asking myself when I was young. Because actually I got into spirituality, but I found in my approach to spirituality, I also fell into a lot of beliefs. You, we create dogma. We, we start to shut down around truths. And then when you shut down around truths and something happens that shakes that truth, we fall into doubt. So we have like belief and we have doubt. And I don't think that's living spirituality. Living spirituality is that has to be experienced through a mind that is open and humble and discerning and moves with the dynamic nature of life. So I became very interested in that aspect, which I actually found to be core to the tradition that I've studied. It's all about inquiry. It's not to. It's not meant designed to be a dogma, even though all Buddhists fall into these traps of belief and doubt all the time. But I just cherish the, my mind when it's open and questioning. And I cherish that mind in others. I, I praise it. I, this is what I have devotion to, is the mind of an open question. So I thought I'd, I'd call my podcast Open Question for which, that reason. Which I absolutely love. And, and I know your first book is, or one of your books, not your first book. Yeah, that was the first one. Oh, yeah. okay. The Power, the power of, of an Open, open yeah. Question, The yeah. Path to Freedom. I love that. Uh, thank you. Yes, yes. Yeah. And I feel, you know, exactly what you're saying is so again, so important for all of us. And I think it's one of the Buddhist principles about showing up with a child's mind. Yeah. And how important that is. I've always loved that and and really tried to embody that myself. So I love how that really does connect to your child self. And, And to really, because when we were young, think about when we were six years old, we were always asking why. Why does this happen? Why does that happen? In this beautiful, <laughs> again, natural, curious nature. Yeah. But to embody that again, and that we can't learn anything if we show up and we're saying, I'm the expert. Right. Exactly. I'm the expert in this way. And I know all these things because I believe all these things. And I don't know if you're familiar with Jacob Lieberman. I don't know who that is. He is a thought leader and just amazing. He's actually an optometrist by education who really, yes, he writes this beautiful book, Illuminated Life. And I think that that's one of the things that he talks about is that the opposite of truth is belief. Mm, Nice. I should look it up. (laughs) Yeah. That, that our beliefs can be right or wrong. For a really long time, people believed, and some people still do, but in Christopher Columbus's day, that the world was flat. Mm. And that the, re- the world really is round. It was just a belief. It wasn't the truth. But yeah. we, so I think that's really an important discernment. Yeah. Look where we get caught by beliefs and by dogma. Yeah. 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 You know, it's interesting because we often associate knowing wisdom with knowing the truth of something. And so we shut down and that's when they become dogmas, you know, but the world doesn't really lend itself to being known in that way. It's so interesting. Like, I think we need to really look into what is the nature of knowing? 
you know, because if things are always changing too, you and always subjective and interdependent, we can't really, it's not really accurate to say that's what knowing is shutting down around ideas. The mind, the world is moving and the mind is moving with it. And what a world we would have, right? If we were able to do that, instead of doing these polarizing where we become polarized because someone's right or wrong or how we think or what we believe is the big T truth. Exactly. And, and also you couldn't, you can't really be, yeah, like you're saying, you can't be discerning if you think you're an expert because your mind, it just shuts the possibility off. We're almost to the end of the interview. I, I'm really curious about your vision, how we rise to the challenge of being human and our potential for awakening. I've said it in the sense that I feel for me, I am always trying to poise my mind for insight, poise my mind in the open question. And I trust that place in myself. And I trust that place in others. I recognize it. And I also recognize when I shut down. It's very painful. And I don't think I can be of service in that way. And I have a lot of trouble relating to other people when they feel shut down too. It's, it, that's a human thing. So I feel this is really, it's in ways, some ways uh, it sounds very simple. And of course, that spirituality or life in general is a very rough and gritty path. I don't think uh, there's a lot of work involved in it. And there's a lot of honest self-reflection that has to happen. I think a lot of this is with your work is that it's very important to bring things that impede us to the light of our awareness with great joy, not with a judgment or harshness. I mean, with, for others too, it's once we can work with our own mind that way, then we can also understand what other people are up against and have tremendous compassion for the, the journey that other people are on and the challenges that they have. And then I just think you just have to walk through the world asking, how can I serve? How can I serve all day long? And I honestly, I don't know how else to live because I know I, I don't have agency to change the entire world the way I think it should be. And of course, if we all had that agency, then we'd probably be arguing about how it should look, <laughs> which I think that's actually happening. But, but I think, but I do have, I know where I have agency. I know I can work with my mind. I know I can be patient. I know I can be kind. I know I can extend. I know I can respond. I, I look all day how, for ways to do this because I don't know any other way to live. So sometimes I say that you, you, and this is a a kind of my description of what we call the bodhisattva path. Bodhisattva means like the mind set on awakening in the Mahayana Buddhist tradition. I say that the path for me is to burn with love in a world I can't fix. Beautiful. So I I know that's a challenging statement. But beautiful. (laughs) Yes. What a, and what a great challenge. For people. What, how could, what better challenge is there than that? <laughs> what else is there to do with our precious human life? Yes. Yeah. So as we wrap up, Elizabeth, number one, I just, I want to thank you so much for, for being here and you're just such a joy and such a beautiful spirit and just so <laughs> thankful for your work in the world and all that you do. I'm wondering if you were to leave an essential message with the audience, what, what would you like them to know? Mm. 
you find that place within yourself that you can trust so that no matter what happens, he's like, you have this refuge that's unconditional that you can appreciate and you can trust no matter how wild things get or how confusing things might get. And then try to recognize that in other people too. And it will be reciprocal as you just try, when you walk through the world today, like as you walk through your life today, recognize this kind of inner brilliance in people. Sometimes it feels like you can't find it, but you can be touched by humanity somehow. These people are, are, they're up against so much. Just try to allow yourself to see that and it will bring out your own. And then it will be like the mother and the child back and forth and allow that to sustain you. I hope this episode really brought some light and inspiration into your life. Really just loved the whole conversation and especially the parts of how we can just spread kindness, that we can get to that place of kindness in our heart. And it really is the simple gestures. It's saying hello, waving, greeting others on the street. And then those little random acts of kindness that we can do when we just put our minds to spreading some joy, spreading some kindness in this world. It's so easy if we're just willing to put it out there. You know, I also really resonated with the the whole idea of coming to each day with a child's mind. And when we feel like we already know it all and we've already learned it all, then we're just not open to new ideas. We're not open to expansion and evolving. So when we come again to this concept of being with a child's mind, what we're doing is we're open to learning and we're experiencing the day with curiosity. And honestly, when you think about it as a little kid, just it's that sense of joy and wonder in the world again. So I think, you know, some of these essential messages that she talked about, if if we would focus on these things, we could move into that place where we're actually not just focused on who's right or wrong right now. And instead focus within to say, okay, when I focus on this place within me and I really get in touch with my heart and my own spirit, then from that place, goodness can come out. Kindness can come out. Love can come out. What a joy to talk with Elizabeth. She is absolutely such a fantastic human being and there's so much wisdom to be gleaned from her. So I'm hoping that this was something that really landed with you. And I'm looking forward to our further episodes. We've got just a great year lined up for you. And check out for sure the Spark book uh, that I have on Amazon right now, which is The Spark, Igniting Your Best Life. So you can continue to find ways to light up your own life and join me for I have a new meditation group out and I have an Igniting Your Best Life Spark group. And you can find those on my website at stephaniejames.world. Love to have you join me on a spark-filled journey this year. So sending out so much love, so much joy to all of you and really wanting to remind you that even when we can't change our outer circumstances, 
We do have control over our attitudes, what we focus on. And so we can truly do that work to go within and ignite our own hearts and live our own best lives. The show is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professional and should not be considered medical advice. If you're having a mental or physical health crisis, please seek treatment immediately. Thanks again for listening. This has been The Spark, igniting your best life. I'm Stephanie James. This is Loudspeaker.